Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part two and the conclusion of his teaching on the gift of God in you. The gift of God in you, part two. Now, this is going to be a bit of a repeat. You're going to hear a lot of things that you heard last week again. And that's a good thing because if you hear things more than once, they're more likely to be planted in the fertile soil of your heart and produce fruit. Amen. So don't be offended if you hear the same things again. I will say I have a little bit more detail that I'm going to share with you this morning than I did last week. But the theme is the same. You have a gift that was planned for you before the universe was created. Isn't that awesome to contemplate? Before time itself existed. Amen. I love saying that. Hallelujah. It was reserved for you. Now listen to me. It was reserved for you by God eons before your birth and was planted in your heart the moment you were conceived. And then when you said yes to Jesus, that plan, that gifting, you became aware of it. It became activated in your heart and you perceived you had a sense of purpose. Amen. You know, even the world knows they have a purpose. They say things like, you know, I don't know. I just believe I was put on this earth for a purpose. Well, that's because you were, amen? Even unbelievers, sometimes they get a sense of their purpose before they get saved. But when you get saved, that purpose, that gift becomes active in your life and it starts stirring in your heart, amen? Hallelujah. Finding that gift is the key to discovering your purpose. And discovering your purpose is the key to fulfilling your divine destiny. So as I said last week, it's not a lightweight thing to find your gift. You know, one of the reasons I'm going to talk about here in a minute is uh, number one reason, and I'm way, way ahead of time, but you'll hear this again. The number one reason you need to find your gift and operate in that gift is because lives are at stake. People's eternal destinies are at stake. There are people that you can reach that no one else may be able to reach. Amen? So it's important that you become the person God called you to be, operating in the gifts that He's given you, so you reach the people He called you to reach. Amen? Hallelujah. Everyone has at least one gift that can benefit the body of Christ and the world. Amen. Everyone. You say, preacher, how can you say that? Well, I give you four scriptures that back me up. And the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen. Let's begin with Ephesians 4.8 in the New King James Version. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is a reference to when Jesus ascended to heaven. He was resurrected, but then he was ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father. And he, as you know from studying your Bible, he loosed the Holy Ghost on planet earth. But when he did, the Bible says he gave gifts to men. And that word there, men, means all of mankind. Men and women all over the planet were given gifts when Jesus loosed the Holy Ghost after He was risen from the dead and after He ascended to the Father. 1 Peter 4.10, also in the New King James Version, says, As each one has received a gift, 
There it is in the Word. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen. Romans eleven twenty nine in the King James says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The Amplified says, They are irrevocable. So follow my logic here. God can't take away your gift if He didn't give it to you in the first place. Amen. And He's not going to take it away. The Bible says so. So for them to be talking about a gift that is irrevocable, you had to receive the gift in the first place. Amen. Everybody follow my logic? Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Didn't use this scripture last week, but it felt like I needed to this week in the New King James Version. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. This is Paul speaking. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So I've got four scriptures that make it clear without a doubt that every person on this planet, I say even before they say yes to Jesus, he's got a gift planned for you. And if you say yes to Jesus, then that gift gets activated in your heart. Amen. Well, pastor, what if I don't know what my gift is or I, or I do know and I don't have an opportunity to operate in that gift? Well, we said this last week and it bears repeating. Then put your hand to something. Put your hand to something in the local church body that will help the church grow and expand the way God intended it to. Amen. Put your hand to something, even if it's not what you feel called to do. If you see a need, make the determination that you're going to fill that need until someone that's called to that shows up later. Amen. Someone that has a gift for that will eventually show up if you'll say, for now, I'm going to fill that need. Amen. There are a couple of sayings that I quoted last week that are quite apropos, and I'd like to repeat them because they're funny and they make the point. Andrew Womack says it like this, you can't steer a parked car. Casey Treat says, you can't steer a bike until it's rolling. Well, the point of both those quotes is the same. If you put your hand to something, it won't be long before the Lord steers and guides you to the gifting that he called for you to operate in. Amen? And I used the example last week of Trish and I. We've been in a lot of churches. We've moved around the country with the military. We've moved around the country with ministry. And we've been in a lot of different churches. And we never went into those churches and said, you know, I'm Scott Forrest and I'm a teacher. I knew that that was what I was called to do very, very early in my Christian walk. And my wife, she's got organizational administrative gifts that are really strong in her. We never went up to the leadership of any church and declared what we were gifted to do. And we put our hand to wherever there was a need that needed to be filled. And I want you to know in every single church that Trish and I attended over the 36 years of our marriage, we always eventually ended up doing what we were called to do. I was teaching and she was administrating. And we complimented one another when we did. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, and listen, it's not a pride thing either. You know, some people perceive some ministry to be more menial than other ministries. That's wrong thinking. 
You know, you could be an usher your entire Christian life and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and minister to hundreds and thousands of people over a lifetime. Just being an usher. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, praying for the sick, speaking a word of encouragement, mentoring somebody, just lifting them up, just being an usher. You could have the opportunity to do that in hundreds and thousands of lives. If your mindset is right, wherever God puts me, whatever he's called me to do, I'm going to do it to the utmost and I'm going to reach people, the ones that God called me to reach. Amen. You know, sometimes I think that when we get to heaven and we, we see some of the rewards that are handed out, we're going to be shocked. Some big time evangelist is going to get rewarded because he brought many, many thousands to the Lord. And then there's going to be a janitor maybe standing next to him that was a, a janitor in a junior high school for 40 years and ministered to thousands of young men and women in that junior high led them to the Lord and launched ministries and, and saved people from a life without God and he's going to get a huge reward and nobody will ever have heard of him. He won't be famous. Nobody will know his name, but he will be rewarded because he used his gift right where he was. Amen. I felt the anointing on that. It's important that you understand that. Don't think of anything that you do in the local body as menial. I mean, we've got people in our church that are traveling evangelists that help us in the children's church. And I can't tell you how much that means to us. They could say, you know, we're called to be evangelists. You know, we're not really called to minister to kids, you know. And they would be right in the letter, but they wouldn't be right in the spirit. Amen. So I'm thankful for people like that that aren't haughty. And lift it up. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. All right. So as we get into talking about the gift of God in you, I want to make one thing clear before we start. We're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned there in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 through 10. And let me just go through them uh, real quickly. And we will be teaching on this in the very near future. Uh, the nine gifts of the Spirit, um, sometimes referred to as the charismatic gifts, are Public tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gifts of healing, working of miracles, and special gift of faith. Amen. Now listen, all spirit-filled believers can be used in these gifts from time to time as the Spirit of God wills. As I said, whatever you're called to do, you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit as you do what you're called to do. Amen. It, it's not the gift but the gifts help you with the gift. Everybody follow what I'm saying there? Amen. Hallelujah. The kind of gifts that I want to talk to you about this morning that we already talked about last week and we're going to mention them again this week can be categorized basically in three categories, fivefold ministry gifts, body gifts, and miscellaneous gifts. So let me start with the definition of fivefold ministry gifts because I ran across somebody last week that I just assumed because they went to church, knew what the fivefold ministry was all about. And I said to this person who wanted me to help them get filled with the Holy Ghost, are you familiar with the fivefold ministry? Thinking that she would say, oh yeah. She's like, no. So you've never heard of the fivefold ministry? She said, no. I said, okay. 
So I'm going to cover it this week because I can't assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. You know, in, in Christendom, especially in the spirit-filled world, uh, we have these buzz phrases that everybody is familiar with, or we think they are, but there are new people that come in and they're not familiar. So we need to talk about these things. Amen. So the fivefold ministries are mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 in the New King James Version. And he himself is talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. The first thing I want you to see is these ministers mentioned in verse 11 their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yes, they do the work of the ministry, but beyond that, they're tasked with getting the church in a position where they do the ministry. The pastor, the evangelist, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, they're not supposed to be doing all the ministry. We're supposed to be preparing you to do the ministry. In the local body and out there in the real world, in your circle of influence, you should be operating in your gift in ministry to people that are lost, that are all around you. And everybody knows in their place of work, you know the people that are heathen and you know the people that are saved. Isn't that right? I mean, it becomes clear after a while. You just know. Glory to God. So let's talk about these five-fold ministers. I remember because there's five fingers on my hand, five-fold. If I fold my fist, I'm going to give you five-fold, amen, in the name of the Lord. The first one and the highest-ranking one is the apostle. Now, the word apostle means a sent one, but apostles are more than just a sent one because the Bible says we're all sent ones. John 17, 18, when Jesus was praying for his disciples, he was also praying for the believers that would come to Christ through their word. That includes you and me. And this is what he said. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Did you know that Jesus has sent you into your world to preach the gospel? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're all sent ones. But the sent one with the apostolic gift is a delegated representative of Jesus Christ himself. As such, he is the highest ranking of all the fivefold ministry gifts. Amen. An apostle is a church planter and a church overseer. He may be the pastor of a church, but he may oversee many pastors of many churches. Amen. Signs and wonders accompany the ministry of the apostle. You can read that in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, also in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12. All right, let's talk about the prophet. A prophet is gifted in prophetic ministry and has an anointing to see the future and to prepare the church for what lies ahead. A prophet operates in more than just what I call the simple gift of prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy is to edify exhort and uplift. Isn't that right? That's what the Bible says. Uh, but a prophet does more than just foretelling. The prophet is a foreteller. He is able to see into the future, see what's coming, and prepare the church for what lies ahead. Amen. 
Glory to God. Everybody understand that. Prophets not only speak to individuals, but they speak to the body of Christ. They speak to the church at large. And sometimes they speak to entire nations. Amen. The word of the Lord. All right, evangelists. Evangelists have a God-given anointing to bring the lost into the kingdom to get people saved. And I'm telling you, Mark and Victoria Bowling are the greatest example of evangelists that I can think of that I know personally. Over the last three years, we have got to know them, and they are they just drip with the gift of evangelism. It's all over them, and it's just wonderful just to hang out with them. I can't wait till they get here this coming weekend. Amen. Signs and wonders also accompany the ministry of the evangelists. In Acts chapter 8, verse 6, it says that Philip preached the word of God to Samaria, and miracles happened that confirmed the word that he preached. Now, Mark and Victoria, just as an example, they go over to Asia, India, Pakistan. They preach to crowds that exceed 100,000 people. You know, their last crusade, they had over 100,000 that attended, and 84,559 first-time salvations were recorded. The crusade before, they had 140,000 in attendance, and 134,000 first-time salvations were recorded. And in each of those crusades, they saw blind eyes open, they heard the mute speak, the deaf hear, and they saw the lame walk. Amen. Signs and wonders and miracles follow the ministry of the evangelist. Amen. All right, let's talk about pastor. The pastor is the shepherd of a local assembly, the head of the local church. He reports to the chief shepherd. Amen. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, then down to the pastor, and then down to his leaders and his board and all of that. That's the way it works. Amen. Pastors have the heart of a shepherd, or they should. Just like Jesus did over there in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. He said he looked out on the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion because they had no shepherd. They had no one to guide them into the truths of God. And show them how to live for God. So that's what a pastor is supposed to do. Amen? Shepherd the local body. Teach you how to live for God. Teach you the truths of God. How to apply them to your life. Amen? To equip you to go out there in your world and minister and get people saved. Amen? Hallelujah. The teacher. I also have a teaching gift. A teacher has a God-given anointing to teach the Word of God. Teachers can take the scriptures and break them down and make them understandable to the average person. Amen. Listen, I know from experience that revelation flows freely with a teacher. I tell you personal experience. Whenever I read the word, and this happens anytime I read the word, anytime I read the word, even if I've read a scripture a hundred times before, the Lord always shows me something different. And I can read one or two verses and revelation will just start coming off the page at me more than the average person because I have a teaching gift. Amen. So listen, if you're reading your Bible and you're filling up your journal when you just get through two or three verses, you might have a teaching gift. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's talk about body gifts. Find them in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. In the New King James Version, 
Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Obviously, if you've got a gift, you need to use it. I want you to see here before we go any further, and I mentioned this last week and it bears repeating, that with the gift that is given to you, there is a grace to operate in that gift. How unfair would it be of God to give you a gift and not equip you to operate in that gift? So with the gift comes the grace to operate in that gift. And you can have that confidence and know if God has gifted you to do something, then he's also given you the grace to do it with excellence. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. So let me go through some of these real quickly with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Number one, teaching. Notice that teaching is listed here in the body gifts, but it's also listed over there in Ephesians 4.11 as one of the fivefold gifts. But in the context of the local church, these teachers that are being referred to here operate at the local church level. Amen. Teaching in various arenas and various venues within the local church. And then prophecy. Prophecy, like teaching, is also mentioned among the fivefold ministry gifts. But once again, in the context of the local church, the local prophets primarily minister within the context of the local church. Amen. Let me give you a scriptural example of prophets and teachers operating at the local church level. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2 in the New King James Version. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Amen. The thing I want you to see, there's a lot here and I can't get into all of it this morning, but the thing I want you to see here is that Saul and Barnabas are clearly mentioned as being prophets and teachers in the local church at Antioch. But there had come a time when God called them to use their gift at a higher level, at a fivefold level, to the body of Christ at large. Amen. Everybody see that? And so after a time of fasting and prayer, I believe something had been stirring in their hearts about Saul and Barnabas. And so they began to fast and pray about it. And the word of the Lord came through prophecy and said, it's time to launch them out in ministry. It's time to elevate them from local prophet, local teacher to prophet and teacher to the body of Christ at large. Amen. And that's exactly what happened. So listen, you might have a call to the fivefold ministry and the best place to find that out is to operate with your gifting in the local church and let God elevate you to the fivefold ministry. Amen. I remember hearing Joyce Meyer say that, you know, 30 years ago she was making tapes in her basement and handing them out to a couple small groups. 
you know, and she wasn't really well known at the time. But she was faithful to do what God called her to do. And there came a point where she was elevated out of the local church to minister to the body of Christ at large. Amen. And how many people, how many women especially, have been blessed by the ministry of Joyce Myers? Amen. But she started in the local church. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Okay, ministry is mentioned. Now listen, the word ministry comes from the same root word in the Greek from which we get our term deacon. Deacons evidently are leaders in the church who have been designated to oversee service-oriented functions in the local church body. The best example you can find is Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. It says the apostles were busy trying to study the word and prepare to minister, and they just couldn't take care of the regular administrative duties like feeding the widows, passing out food. So they, they raised up seven deacons, seven ministers to take care of those service-oriented ministries so they could spend their time studying, dedicated to preaching and teaching the Word. Amen. Everybody see that? Okay, so ministry in that sense is someone who's been given charge over a service-oriented function within the local church. Amen. Everybody see that? All right, let's talk about encouragement and exhortation. You know, it's the ability to motivate God's people to apply biblical principles, especially when they're discouraged or wavering in their faith. You know, I know people like that. I happen to be one of those kind of people. I'm always even keel. Yes, my wife and kids, I'm not up and down. I'm even keel. I'm always ready to give somebody a word of encouragement. If I sense in them that they're struggling, I will give them something they can sink their teeth into. You know what? You know, they might tell me their story, what's going on. I say, you know what? I've been there, and God has seen me through. And if he saw me through, he'll see you through because he's not a respecter of persons. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. You're going to get through this. That's an encourager. That's an exhorter. You might be one of them. All right. Then leaders. Leaders help the pastor lead others in the local church body. How many know that as a church grows, it becomes increasingly difficult for the pastor to lead the people one-on-one, okay? So what he has to do is he has to delegate leadership to other leaders within the body who can lead and shepherd the people in smaller groups. Amen. Hallelujah. Mercy. Mercy is the ability to detect hurt in people's heart, to empathize with them, those that are suffering in the church and in the world. And these individuals are able to show the compassion of God to people that really need the compassion of God. You find them ministering to the sick, the elderly, the hurting, and the lonely. You'll find them uh, faithfully ministering in nursing homes, hospitals, prisons, places like that. They have a heart to show mercy to people that are hurting. Amen. Hallelujah. You might be a mercy person. Amen. And you probably already know it. All right, then giving. Giving is mentioned here as a gift. So right away, I know that it's not talking about ordinary giving or it wouldn't be listed as a gift. There are people in the body of Christ that have a supernatural gift to make money and to give money. I know people like this. Anything they put their hand to in business just grows and prospers. There's a reason for that. They're called of God to give large sums of money into the body of Christ to see people blessed, 
to see people come to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And I've talked to people in this congregation that believe that that gift is on them, and it's in its very nascent, very early uh, form, and I applaud that, that you have recognized that. Amen? And just let God cultivate that gift. Let Him breathe on it. Let Him rain on it. And let that gift grow till you see yourself giving huge sums of money, not just so that you, you know, nobody's going to brag about giving X amount of money. Don't get me wrong. But there are people that just amaze me. They give so much away. They basically, I, I know one preacher in, in particular that's a giver like this. Preachers can be givers too now. And um, 90% of his salary he gives away, and he lives off the 10%, kind of the reverse tithe, you know. He gives away 90% of his salary and lives off the 10%. Amen. He's got a heart to give. Amen. One day, I'm going to get there. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about miscellaneous gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 in the New King James Version. We read this scripture last week. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now, I'm not going to go through the explanation that I did last week. You can go to the podcast and listen to that. But what I want you to see is right in the middle of all these supernatural giftings, you have something seemingly natural, helps and administrations. Right there in the middle of miracles, healings, tongues, gifted apostles, prophets, and teachers, you hear the word helps and administrations. Amen. So as we talked about last week, helps and administrations is kind of a broad category of miscellaneous gifts, which essentially help the pastor to carry out the vision of the local church. Let's give some examples of ministry of helps. And I by no means mean this to be a conclusive list. Number one, hospitality. People who are into hospitality, they have the ability to make others, especially strangers, feel welcome, accepted, and comfortable in the church family. Amen. So we need those kind of people. Amen. Number two, music. Musical gifts help to lead the people of God into worship and bring in the manifest presence of God in our midst. Amen. Creativity. My wife is very creative. Uh, creators have the ability to build, maintain, or beautify the place of worship for God's glory. And creativity can also manifest itself in the ability to express worship through a variety of art forms. I am for reclaiming the arts for the gospel. Amen. You know, it's like the world took the arts over, and sometimes they use the arts for perverted reasons. I believe the arts were created for the gospel, and so I applaud churches and individuals and ministries that are reclaiming the arts for the gospel. Amen? Dance, music, painting, you know, literary art. Amen. For the glory of God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. So 
And if your gift is unique and, and in your mind strange, and you don't know anybody else who has that gift, and you don't know what category it fits in, don't worry about that. You know, because basically, except for the five-fold ministry, the bottom line is this. If you're not in five-fold ministry, you're probably in helps. Helping someone carry out their God-given mandate in a five-fold ministry. So in the local church, helps ministers help the pastor pursue the vision of the house. Amen. So don't get all weirded out. If, if your gift is something you've never heard of anybody else doing, there's a place for it in the church. All right, real quickly, administrative gifts. People gifted in this way help the pastor and his staff organize and execute church functions. Amen? Answering phones, keeping church books, managing bank accounts, creating and tracking events, organizing and executing special events, and a host of other applications. Amen. One final note on miscellaneous gifts, and this is really cool. You may or may not have heard this before, but helps. Helps actually comes from a Greek word in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 there that means it refers to a, a technique in sailing large vessels called frapping. Helps actually refers to the frapping concept, which is when they were in rough seas and they were fearful that they might run aground and the planks of the ship would separate and the hull would be breached and they would sink, they would wrap chains and ropes around the body of the ship so that the structural integrity of the ship was maintained. Isn't that cool? And that's the word that is used there in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, which we just read. Helps. Administration. It's the same word. It means to frap, to keep together, to maintain structural integrity. It's also used in Acts 27, 17 when Paul and his company were on the ship on the way to Rome and they encountered rough seas and they knew they were going to run aground so they frapped the ship and if you read the scripture the same exact word is translated helps there. Amen. So the way I look at it is if you're in ministry of helps you help maintain the structural integrity of the local church body even when we're facing rough seas even when it looks like we're going to run aground. Helps helps us maintain our structural integrity as a church. So it's not menial in any way. Do you see that? There is great consequence if you don't operate in helps when that's what you're supposed to be operating in. You can help the church keep from being shipwrecked. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I'll wrap it up with this. There are two main reasons that God wants you to grow and develop in your gift. Number one, as I've already said, I was way, way ahead of myself. Lives are at stake. You need to grow and develop in your gifts so that you become the person God called you to be. Do the things that he called you to do so you reach the people he called you to reach. Amen. Number two, in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and Luke 19, we find out. That when we come back with Jesus to set up his earthly kingdom here on the earth, we will be given an assignment 
we will be given realms of authority as a reward based on how we used and operated the gifts of God in us while we're here in this life. So if you want a dream assignment in the next life, then find your gift and operate in that gift to the greatest and fullest extent possible. Amen. Hallelujah. So let me conclude by saying this. Find your gift, stir it up constantly, and trust the Lord to mold you and make you into the person that God called you to be. If you'll do that, you will do the things that God called you to do. And you will reach the people that God called you to reach. And in the next life, you'll be rewarded with a realm of authority as you rule and reign with Jesus here on planet Earth. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's teaching on The Gift of God in You. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.